my intro music. Good morning. If you have a Bible, please open up to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 is where we're going to be in just a few moments. Next week, what I'm going to be talking about uh, on Easter Sunday, the prayer that God always answers, the door that he always opens for us. Today, I want to talk about closed doors. We've all experienced this in our life. Every one of us have prayed about something, asked God for something, asked God to do something, to open a door in some way, and yet the door stayed closed. Or sometimes we've asked God to shut doors that were open, and they stayed open. And we call it unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer. And that's where you can cue the Garth Brooks song right there, right? Just the other night a hometown football game. That's all, that's as far as I'm going. (laughs) Jesus in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel says these words. He says, I tell you, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be open. The door will open. And yet... It seems like doors stay closed from time to time. And again, this is a universal experience that we have, right? We pray, we ask, and it seems unanswered. That's what I want us to tackle today. Let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much because you are so good. And even as we come this morning, number one, we're very aware of your presence that is here in powerful ways, but we're also aware of our own wrestling and our struggles that we have in understanding sometimes your ways. And so this morning, by the power of your spirit and the power of your word, would you give us some clarity? Maybe some of us have come in this morning, we have some questions weighing on our heart and mind. Would you give answers to Lord, would you speak? Your servants are listening. We love you. We really do. And we thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen. When it comes to this topic of unanswered prayer, as we call it, uh, we need to first just kind of step back and if we can remove kind of our emotions from some of the unanswered prayers that we've experienced in our life, And think just logically about prayer, and in particular, the answering of prayer. If we remove our emotions from some of the unanswered prayers that we've experienced in life, we would see that there are some things, um, when it comes to prayer and the answering of prayer, that actually just can't happen. I mean, you think about it. If two people are praying about the same thing, but their prayers are going in opposite directions, obviously God is going to answer one and not the other. It's just like if someone, you have two Christians applying for the same job. There's only one job and you have two Christians who who have applied for the job, they're qualified for the job, and they're praying, God, would you give me this job? Well, obviously God cannot answer their prayer in the way that they are praying it for both of them, correct? Then you just multiply that times millions out there. And what you see throughout the world is you see a lot of times there are conflicts in prayer. Some Christians are praying in this direction. Some Christians are praying in that direction. And then all of a sudden now it's a big dilemma. And the fact that God can work behind the scenes and be, as people have called him, the grand weaver and weave everything together is a miracle in and of itself. 
But if you just think logically about prayer, there are some prayers that simply can't be answered because for God to answer my prayer, he would have to not answer your prayer or vice versa. Or those moments when we experience uh, natural disasters like tornadoes and hurricanes, right? What do we do? We just pray, God, send that tornado around us. The problem is the people in the neighboring city are praying what? (laughs) Send that tornado around us. And, And so we're in this back and forth. Know them, Lord. You know, know them, Lord. We just don't say it that way, right? And so obviously sometimes what we're praying just cannot be answered. Not only that, if you think about the nature of prayer, sometimes when we're praying, we're actually asking God to violate another person's free will. We don't mean to. We don't intend to all the time. But, but sometimes we're just saying, God, would you fix them? God, would you do something in their life? And many times it's good. It's right. You want that person to be a godly person or to follow God's will for their life or whatever it may be. But, but the problem is God is not going to violate another person's free will on your behalf, even if it is good. For him to do so means that we would live in a world without love. We would only live in a world with coercion or God forcing people to do things in order to follow him, and he's not going to violate free will. The hardest one that we wrestle with is death. It really is. And I've told you before, I live with a lot of why questions. Why did that happen to them at that point in their life? But again, if we could remove some of the emotion from it, we would realize that if everybody we prayed for was healed... And if most people in the world have at least one person praying for them when they're sick, if everybody we prayed for was healed, then no one would ever die. The problem with that is that the consequences of sin is death. God told us this from the very beginning. It runs all the way throughout Scripture. Those are the consequences of sin being in the world. What God has done is provided us with something so much better. He's given us resurrection. He's given us life after death, which we celebrate next week. But also when it comes to prayer, and particularly the answering of prayer, we have to admit that a lot of this is a mystery to us. Like when God says through the prophet Isaiah, my ways are not your ways, my thinking is not how you think, like he actually means it, right? My ways are not your ways, God says. The way I think is not the way you think. The way I see the world is not the way you see the world. And he's he's actually telling us the truth there. And so some things are a mystery to us. But at the same time, uh, when it comes to this topic of unanswered prayer, the first thing I want to say about that is is that there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. There's no such thing. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not now. And sometimes God says maybe later. Maybe later. That's why you see those if-then covenants throughout Scripture. If you do this, then this is how you will be blessed. So sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says not now, sometimes he says maybe later. But there are a few things we can know when it comes to this subject. Uh, There are many things I could say. I'm going to give you seven. I'm going to give you seven reasons why God says no or God closes a door in our life. These are seven things from Scripture. Number one is this. The first reason why God would say no to us or close a door in our life is because of continuous rebellion in our lives. Continuous rebellion in us. David said in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. He said, if I, would, if I had cherished iniquity, the word iniquity there means perpetual wickedness. And he said, if that is the thing that I was cherishing, cherishing the most in my life, God was not going to listen to me in that moment. 
And the truth is, many times we ask God to bless us, but we do not want him to pick us up from our fallenness, right? And it just comes down to the fact that we love our sin many times more than we love God. But we still want God to do things. We still want God to open doors for us, but we love our sin much more. So the first reason why some prayers God says no to, God does not open that door, is because of our continuous rebellion. Number two, sometimes God says no to us because what we're asking for is actually not good for us. It's not good for us. We just think that it's good for us or we think that we want it. When God actually knows in his infinite wisdom that what you're asking for will either hurt you or you will use it to hurt others, either intentionally or inadvertently. In James chapter 4, verse 3, James says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You ask, but you do not receive. The reason why is you ask with the wrong motives, and the motive there is to spend it on your passions. That word passions is very important. See, unhealthy passions, when they are pursued in our life, they always lead to pain, either in our life or in the lives of other people around us. They always do. And it's the pursuit of those passions that actually wreak havoc in our life. And God says, I'm not giving you that. All that's going to do is fuel unhealthy passions in you. I don't want you to pursue that. I'm not going to provide it to you. And again, so many times, it's the pursuit of those things that we want and we think we know what's best for us. And it just creates chaos in us and around us. And God says, I can't say no to that because it's not good for you. And it's not going to be something that's good that is going to flow through you. So sometimes it's our rebellion. Sometimes it's not good for us. Number three, sometimes God says no simply because it's not his timing. It's not the right timing. We're not ready for it yet. It's not the right timing. Just think about raising a child. There are certain times in a child's life that they mature to a point when they can handle certain things or be exposed to certain things. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want 12-year-olds to have driver's license, right? I mean, it could be just me, but I live in Montgomery. Traffic is bad enough as it is, right? I don't want 12-year-olds to have access to driver's license. Now, full disclosure, I learned to drive when I was 12, right? 1977 Dodge, three-speed on the column. Kenny Row 13, Lauderdale County, Alabama. I did. And my dad put me in a very safe environment, and I could drive straight and then hit the brake. That was about it, right? But I didn't have free reign because it wasn't good. For me, it was not the time for that. I had not matured to where I could handle that yet. It's one of the reasons why Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, he says, there is a, for everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Then what he says in verse 11 is one of the most important Bible verses for me. In verse 11, he says, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time. Sometimes God says no because it's simply not time or we cannot handle it in time. And so we have to learn to pray according to an eternal clock, not just the clock that we have ticking or not just what we want. See, so many times what we do is we uh, mark our seasons by our timing, meaning when we want things, but God marks our seasons by our maturity and when we can handle things. So sometimes it's our rebellion. Sometimes it's just not good for us. Sometimes it's not God's timing. Number four, sometimes God says no. He leaves the door closed to test our persistence. 
to test our persistence so we would become persistent in pursuing him because persistence does something very important in us. In Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, Jesus gives a parable. And the parable is about the, it's the parable of the persistent widow. In the very first line, it says that he gave them this parable so that they would always pray and not lose heart. So they would always pray and not lose heart. Then he goes and he gives them the parable. He says, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. But there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And so Jesus says this in verse 6. So he says, hear what the unrighteous judge says, he says to his listeners. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? That's the point. He wants them to be persistent in prayer. He says, will he delay long over them? He says, I tell you, he'll give justice to them. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus concludes this teaching by saying, when I come back, am I going to find this kind of faith on the earth? So he starts with being persistent in prayer. He ends with faith because persistent prayer produces faith. Persistent prayer produces faith. If we just got what we wanted, when we wanted it, every single time, we would not have faith. We would be spoiled. And the goal that God has for our life is for us to have childlike faith, not be childish. Spoiled children stay childish their whole life, or they can. And God wants to test us so that we will be persistent because that persistence produces faith. Number five, sometimes God says no because we have the wrong priorities. Jesus was very clear in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, seek first, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you, these things that you need in life, these things that you're praying about. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we have to ask ourselves the question, is that really the priority in my life? Am I seeking his righteousness first and foremost in my life? Meaning, do I want to align my life to the divine decrees of heaven? Or is it just about what I want and my priorities in life and what I think and what I think is good for me? And so sometimes God says, no, I need you to come back to that place where I am first in my righteousness and you living out of that righteousness is first in your life. Number six, sometimes God says no when we have the wrong focus in life, the wrong focus. Psalm 25, verse 14 and 15 says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. You know, God wants to be your friend. He wants a deep friendship with you a deep relational connection with you that says the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. Verse 15, therefore, my eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. David says friendship is what God wants and so I keep my eyes ever toward the Lord. That is my focus in life. Sometimes God says no to the things we're praying for because he knows that those things, as good as they may be, will be serious distractions for us from us being who he has called us to be and living in the relationship that he's called us to have. 
See, the question we have to ask ourselves is, do I want friendship with God or do I want fortune? Do I want friendship with God or do I want fame? Do I want friendship with God or do I want anything else that this world can offer me? What is the focus of my life? Number seven, it really boils down to this, is that God says no when I want my gain over his glory. God will always say no when I want my gain over his glory. What Paul said to us in Romans 6, verses 11 through 13 is so important. Paul is writing to the church and he says, you, so you also must consider yourselves. He's saying, this is how you have to see your life. This is how you have to live your life. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus because this is what has happened in you. You have been brought from death to life. Verse 12, he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. There's that word passion again. Verse 13, Do not present the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your body to God as instruments of righteousness. There's those words, passions, righteousness, unrighteousness again. The prayer that God always says no to are those moments when regardless of the reason or the motive or the outcome that we're looking for, we, at the end of the day, we want our gain over and above God's glory in our life and him being on display in us and through us. Now, that's a whole lot of negative and that's a lot of heaviness. I want to think for a second about the kind of prayer God answers, but I think it's a little more complicated than that. And that's where I want to go to Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, we love verse 4, don't we? Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the way we read that most of the time is, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give me everything, everything. He's so good. I desire. <laughs> Look at the verse above it. Trust in the Lord and do good. So we have to ask ourselves, do I really trust him? Am I walking in that trust? Do good. Live out of the righteousness you have received. Am I really doing that? To do the good thing is to do the godly thing. He says, dwell in the land. For the people of Israel, that was the physical land with boundaries. You and I, we have boundaries and borders that God has called us to live in. We don't want to go outside of those boundaries and do our own thing, right? We, we call it living in God's will. Dwell in the land. And befriend faithfulness. There's that word friend again. Interesting. Then he says, delight yourself. Right? Delight. Be delighted in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Not in what you want. Not in what makes, gives you an advantage in life. Not what you think you need. It has to be in the Lord. And then he says, he will give you the desires of your heart. But he goes on in verse 5. Commit. Commit, 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 commit your way to the Lord. We have to ask ourselves, am I committed? Am I trusting him? 
Am I doing good? Am I living within the boundaries that he has set? Am I befriending faithfulness and, and God can see it in my life? And, and am I committed to him? Trust in him and he will act, he says. In verse 6 he says, He will bring forth your righteousness, the righteousness that is in you, that is being lived out, and it will be as the light and your justice as the noonday. There's that word righteousness again. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Wait on his timing. Do you see this? Wait patiently for him. And then he says, fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. He says, fret not. Fret not. I love that word fret. He's going to use it again. To, to fret means to continually just emotionally react in a negative way, to get so bent out of shape. He says, don't do that. And notice he's saying over the one who prospers in his way, the one who does evil. He's saying, don't compare yourself to other people. That's what, that's what children do, right? It's a very childish thing to walk around constantly comparing yourself to other people. They have a popsicle. I want a popsicle. When can I have a popsicle? Thank you for the popsicle. I want a blue popsicle, not a red popsicle. It's not fair. Right? That's what children do. Compare to others. God, I won't, I won't. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. Verse 8, refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. Am I living that? Am I living that? Fret not. He says again, yourself, it, only, it tends only to evil. That's, that's the only place, that's where it's going to take you. We love, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But God can answer verse 4 to the degree that you can live, verses 3 through 8. God will answer verse 4 to the degree that we live verses 3 through 8. We know this is the conclusion because of verse 23. In verse 23, he says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. There's that word delight again. My steps are established. The desire of my heart given and executed when my ultimate delight is in his way, not my way. You see, when we come to this text, when we think about prayer, we think about it in terms of me asking God for what I want. God is more concerned about who you become, much more concerned about who you are than giving you the things you want. He wants people who trust him, who do good, who dwell in the land within the boundaries as a testimony to him, who befriend faithfulness, who are committed and trust him, who live out a life of righteousness, who can be still before him and be patient in his presence, who are not constantly fretting and freaking out, who refrain from anger and forsake wrath. That's what God wants in you. He's much more concerned about you receiving those things and living out those things than you just actually getting what you think you need. And that's so hard. You see, I grew up with a phrase. And the phrase was, God will not put more on you than you can handle. Oh, you heard this phrase. Yeah? I'm not alone. That's great. 
God will not put more on you than you can bear, Chris. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And normally we said that in the context of something painful, something hard, you know, that's hard in life. I think it's true for answered prayers and blessings. The question is, am I blessable? Right? Am I living in such a way, living out the statutes of the Lord? I want nothing but God's will in my life. And so I pray in accordance with God's will in my life because I'm delighting in Him because I'm becoming somebody. That's what He's more concerned about. And so we're going to pray. And here's the thing. I want to invite the prayer team up in just a second. And, and, and anything that is in your life that you want to pray about, anything at all, please, we want you to come. You may want to intercede and pray for someone else. Please do that. This is a sacred and holy time where we get to partner with people in prayer. But I'm going to pray leading into that. And here's the thing. I'm not going to pray that God will answer your prayer that you're praying right now the way you want it answered. What I am going to pray is that you will become who God is calling you to become while you wait on the answer. That's hard, but that's the deep work of the Spirit. God is more concerned about who you are, not just giving you some things. And so let's ask Him to do some deep work in us. And then let's come. Let's come to the kneeling rails and pray, knowing that he does answer. We've seen it over and over. So let's ask again and ask him to do something in us. Would you pray with me? Father, in this moment, we do pray. And the first thing is I say thank you, thank you, thank you for the all of the infinite number of answered prayers that have been yes. You have said yes so many times. You have said yes this week. You have said yes today. Lord, you're going to say yes a whole lot next week to our prayers. Thank you for that. May we never lose sight of that. But also, Lord, I want to pray for those who the divine answer has been no. Some prayers we have prayed and you've just simply said no for a many number of reasons. I pray, Lord, that we would trust you in that. We trust your timing. We trust that you know what's best for us, Lord, we trust you with that. Lord, some of the prayers that we're praying right now, you, the answer is not now. It, it, it's going to happen, but not now. And so, Lord, I pray in this moment that we would sit patiently, wait patiently in your presence. And let the, let, let the stillness of that moment as we patiently wait mold us into the image of your Son who waited for so long until that just the right moment he could enter into human history. Lord, right now, some of us are sitting with the answer, maybe later. And you're calling us to a greater place of walking with you in faithfulness. And so, Lord, I pray that we would align our hearts and lives to your will. So that one day, Whenever you choose, we would be in that position to receive the blessings that you have for us. But above it all, Lord, I pray that we would see that you are much more concerned about who we are becoming, that we look like Jesus 
than anything else. And while we struggle and wrestle with this idea, this concept of unanswered prayer or simply sometimes you saying no, I pray that you would meet us in this place and you would continue to mold us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As our prayer partners are up here, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray. Would you please stand?